Hello there, I'm Benny. And I'm Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where I watch Doctor Who and I tell you about it. Hey Kyle, how's it going? Doing alright, how are you Benny? Pretty good. Um, So launching into it, one thing that I told myself that I would tell you when we started this current episode so I've been keeping it from you until now, (laughs) is that Lonnie and I have started watching The Good Place. Oh, cool. Um, So I remember, yeah, you were a fan of that, and we watched some episodes together, you and me, when it looked like Lonnie was not interested in watching more episodes after we watched the the first episode. Um, But now we are going to go ahead and give it another shot, and we, I think, are about like five episodes in. Because they're pretty short. They're pretty short episodes, so they're pretty easy to watch a bunch all at once. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was a good show. I liked it a lot. I would recommend it to any of our listeners who are fans of comedy and philosophy (laughs) and the possible ways they might intersect. Uh, Particularly, study of ethics is a topic that comes up a lot in The Good Place. Yep. Yes. I actually haven't watched the final season yet. I think there are four seasons and like it's over and done with, but I've only watched the first three of the four. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Um, well, you're obviously way further than I am. And I, I have seen enough online to know that there's some like, um, twists coming. Like we've already had a couple of, of twists, um, but I, I know that there's more coming, so I'll be kind of curious to see what lies in store. So far, we've been pretty unspoiled as to what comes next. I've yeah. seen a couple spoilers, but not too many. Yeah, there's there's a lot that could potentially be spoiled with that show. It seems like pretty much every episode, there's like a new spoilery thing. Cool. Uh, cool. Uh, but yeah, one thing I wanted to mention before we got into Doctor Who too deeply is that I mentioned on our last recording that I'm in the middle of a moving process Mm -hmm. and as I was thinking earlier today about this episode that we're recording now and planning for our recording session and whatnot it occurred to me that this is probably... Not for sure, but probably the last episode that I will be recording in this house that I'm currently recording in. Oh, congratulations. Because, yeah, thank you. I mean, it's super cool and amazing and exciting that you guys (laughs) have a new place. But I kind of miss your your current place. I have good memories. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's a bit strange because, like, other than, of course, my partner and I, nobody else who visited this place for the last time knew that it was the last time at the time. That's funny. Cause I was just thinking that exact same thing that like, you know, I'm so used to recording this show in particular over at your guys's place. Um, and I, yeah, I didn't realize that I will never do that again. Yeah. It's really strange. <laughs> <laughs> But the new place, when when you eventually are able to come visit it, like without wearing gas masks and whatnot, uh, it's pretty cool. I think it's got some good locations for us to record in. Cool. 
<laughs> um, and then the other thing that I had that I wanted to talk about um, before we get into the episode, which actually is Doctor Who related, <laughs> is that um, I think two episodes ago um, we were talking about the footprint in the snow. Right. And you kept, you kept being like, um, the characters were saying, oh, it probably just melted and that's why it looks bigger. And, uh, you know, oh, basically I don't think anyone ever said like Yeti or um, Sasquatch or whatever, um, Abominable Snowman. But I think I, I kept being like, oh, but I'll bet it is. Oh, <laughs> it totally is. And then, of course, it wasn't. And I never actually acknowledged how wrong I was. So one thing I think that our listeners have probably picked up on um and if not i'll just go ahead and say it. i'm really bad at predicting things like i'll try to do it all the time uh, <laughs> it's fairly often i'll be like oh i'll bet that that's the whatever or you know like this i'll be like oh that's totally the thing and nope not even close so i'm just acknowledging that not only was i wrong there i'm wrong a lot i won't acknowledge all of them um, <laughs> but yeah this one uh, i thought i'd specifically call out because i kept being like oh like uh, that's a thing and then no no it wasn't although that said we are recording this the day that episode 13 the brink of disaster was released and so I listened to that episode like earlier this morning because I am a subscriber to our podcast. And uh, <laughs> in that episode, <laughs> in that episode, you actually got something right. Uh, you predicted that the problem was going to be the button was stuck down. Oh, I think I predicted that just as you were like in the process of telling me though. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was a, a couple minutes before, I think. <laughs> all right, all right. So today we are here to talk about Season 1, Episode 16, The Cave of 500 Eyes. Heck yes. Which, of course, is our second Cave of episode in Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. This time I actually didn't end up watching the Loose Cannon reconstruction like I did for the previous two episodes. This time I ended up finding this channel on I think the Daily Motion video site. I found a channel called Who Recons that's full of a whole bunch of CGI reconstructions. Oh weird. Of missing episodes. Huh. And so I figured I would give that a try. And yeah, I I think I'll I'll save my thoughts on it until the end. Okay. But yeah, I just wanted to mention here up at the top that I did not watch the loose cannon this time. I watched the CGI Who Recons reconstruction. So I assume that this is also entirely fan-made? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, um, so, do you remember our Cliff Dangler? So, um, our listeners, I think we've mentioned that I usually do the, the first very rough edit of our episodes. Um, so I just basically cut out the pauses in any parts where we, like get up to use the bathroom or, or re-record a part because we screwed it up or whatever. Not that that ever happens. Um, or when I but... clunk my mug down on the desk. <laughs> um, 
So I, I, I recently finished the one um, for the previous episode, um, and so I, I literally just heard the cliff dangler where our friend, uh, the warlord Dagana, had gotten to the oasis. Everyone else is still waiting for him to get water and bring it back, and Tagana takes a nice big drink of water with you know his from his water gourd with like a little umbrella paper umbrella stuck in it and then he says uh here's water for you marco polo and then we hear the the water hitting the sand from some source <laughs> uh-huh. um and things look grim for our heroes and the doctor's already getting weaker um everyone's out of water and yeah things don't look good Indeed. So 500 Eyes starts off with that scene. Uh, cool. And we then cut immediately from that to uh, Marco Polo Captain's Log, where he talks about how he inched the caravan forward through the night. and But they're starting to get concerned because they think that Tagana should be back from the Oasis by now. <laughs> and, of course, it's too hot to get very far, like if they have to travel themselves during the day or anything. Mm -hmm. But immediately after this Marco Polo captain's log, we cut to inside the TARDIS where of course, Marco has let the doctor go and rest and let Susan go with him. But inside the TARDIS, the doctor and Susan the next morning realize that there's water like streaming down all the inside walls of oh, the TARDIS. Cool. Yeah. Well, handy. Uh-huh. <laughs> also, you know, as we've been working on these episodes sort of after the recording, I did notice that in the beginning of The Roof of the World, two episodes ago, um, when they talk about the damage that the TARDIS had sustained, they do specifically say that, that there's no water. Oh, um, yeah. So later on when I was like, oh, well, they just get water out of the TARDIS. And then you, you, you said, you know, the TARDIS was damaged and it was probably the water. And yeah, you were 100% right. Um, so, yeah, again, I don't plan on like calling out everything I get <laughs> wrong, um, but that was another one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't we don't run this podcast for accuracy necessarily. No. <laughs> if you really want podcast. the accuracy, then you've got to actually watch the show. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they realize that there's this water streaming down all the interior walls of the TARDIS. And so, of course, they collect some and bring it out. And Marco is like, what the fuck? You said you didn't have any water. And the doctor is like, oh, it's condensation. Don't you understand? And Marco... Regular water, this is TARDIS juice. (laughs) Marco's like... No, I do not understand! Which, you know, is a perfect setup for a Doctor Who's an educational show moment. Yes. Because the Doctor asks Ian to explain condensation to Marco, and so (laughs) Ian does. The Doctor's like... I, you know, I, I can't get through to them. You you talk to these poor, simple-minded <laughs> fools. And then Ian's like, no, Doctor, that's condescension. <laughs> we need to work on your vocabulary just a little bit, Doctor. The Doctor's like, no, no, I just think that everyone's below me. <laughs> anyway, please, please continue. So 
So Ian explains condensation and Marco is like, oh, cool, cool. Like, I'm pretty sure I've seen that before. You drink it first. I thought, you know, pretty smart precaution. (laughs) (laughs) We then cut to the Oasis and it's now sometime later because Marco and the doctor and their whole group have arrived at the Oasis and Tagana is explaining to them There were bandits here last night when I arrived. So I had to wait in hiding until this morning when they left. And then when I prepared to leave for you, I saw your caravan coming across the desert towards me. Which I actually thought was a pretty plausible sounding lie. Yeah, he... yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, Marco buys it. (laughs) And he's basically just like, man, yeah, if the doctor hadn't discovered water, then you might not have made it back in time to save us. So I was wondering about this water, like how much water is is streaming down the the walls of the TARDIS? Do we we see it? I mean, I don't know how much was in the um, reconstruction. Yeah. um, Is it like, you know, just little rivulets or is it like a solid gush of of water down the side because one thing i was wondering sometimes it seems like the tardis is alive or aware in some way like in the the brink of disaster episodes where it seemed to not want them all to die and it was like guiding them right to do certain things so i was wondering if now the tardis was like oh my humans need water here i will make some for them from condescension from <laughs> yeah i mean the tortoise is pretty condescending sometimes some of those I didn't do that on purpose. clues in the brink of disaster were <laughs> um in any case yeah i think i'm pretty sure it actually was just condensation because okay. i i have watched the loose cannon reconstruction like years ago and it if I remember right, I'm pretty sure it is just like little rivulets and streams of water. Okay, okay. So, Tagana talking privately to Marco is basically like, uh, you don't actually believe their story of water forming inside their caravan, do you? And Marco's like, yeah, dude, it's totally true. <laughs> I can tell you about the science of it. Uh-huh. I only just learned about it yesterday. <laughs> Barbara, meanwhile, is not sure about Tagana's story about the bandits. There's no sign of a fire, and it was very cold last night. So, you know, she's presuming if there were bandits here at the Oasis, they would have built a fire. Mm-hmm. Marco tells the doctor to basically get whatever he needs out of the TARDIS for now, because as soon as they head out from the Oasis tomorrow, he's going to lock it up again. And the doctor is like, Young man, you have no concept of what is happening, have you? And you still don't seem to realize that you're speaking to a man of superior intellect. (laughs) What was I saying earlier about condescension? (laughs) (laughs) We fade into another Indiana Jones map Marco Polo captain's log where Marco is like, Marco basically reveals that he locked up the TARDIS and took the key from the doctor anyway. 
and they, you know, traveled to the next city on the map. And in that city, Susan is like, damn, there are lots of temples here. And Barbara is like, oh, yeah, I think we're near the Cave of a Thousand Buddhas. Kind of teasing the episode title. Wait, hold on. Cave of a Thousand Buddhas, Cave of 500 Eyes. But if each Buddha has two eyes, as they presumably do, shouldn't that be a cave of 2,000 eyes? You would think. Every other Buddha has one (laughs) eye, and the others don't have any eyes. That's a pretty fucked up Buddha cave. Yeah, that's an an unfortunate Buddha. Uh Uh-huh. But Marco actually interrupts, and he says, Have you heard of the cave of 500 eyes? <laughs> right next door, it's way cheaper. It's almost as good. Uh, and <laughs> don't, of course, don't check Yelp. <laughs> <laughs> Here we got our episode named Confetti Blasts and Fireworks and whatnot. Yes, of course. Of course. And Barbara is like, no, why do they call it that? And Marco's like, because there are 500 eyes in it. Okay. <laughs> he says, On the walls are painted the faces of 250 evil men who once lived there. Susan asks if they're still around, and he says, No, Susan, they were put to the sword 20 years ago by a great Mongol conqueror called Hulagu. Hmm. Ping Cho pipes in to say that she's got a pretty awesome story about Hulagu and the Hashashins, and Susan's like, Tell it! And Ping Cho says that maybe she'll tell it later. <laughs> She's like, it's interactive. It's an interactive <laughs> story. I need to roll up character sheets for all of you. <laughs> Pincho, why are you carving those blocks of wood into strange shapes? And she's like, you'll find out later. <laughs> you see, this one has Painting six sides. On them. <laughs> this one has four sides. This one has eight. It's pretty fun. We cut to Ian and the doctor who are having a brief conversation where... The doctor says that they seem to be stopping here in the city for a while, so maybe he can get some more work done on repairing the TARDIS. And Ian's like, uh, didn't you give Marco the key? And the doctor's like, A key, my boy, a key. What use do you think it's going to be to him? Nice. Yeah. Turns out that one night that he was allowed into the TARDIS, he used that time to make a fake key. Interesting. So I remember that the... On a Dalek planet, they used the, the TARDIS key as like a conductor to short out some power box or something. So, yeah, I wonder how many keys they've got lying around or how many right. stairs. Well, and at that time, he was like, oh, I'll just make a new one. It's no problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which, that's, yeah that, that's a good foreshadowing for his yeah. ability to make more keys. Although, in retrospect, like I'm assuming he would probably need access to the TARDIS in order to make a key. Mm-hmm. So does that mean you just like left it unlocked with all the thals? <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Later, Barbara wants to talk to Ian about Tagana and her suspicions about him. But they don't really get a good chance because it's time for Ping Cho's story. Of Aladdin, the old man of the mountains who, by devious schemes, evil designs, and foul murders, rule the land. 
Supreme cool. tells the Sounds story. promising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good time. Uh, apparently, he only had a small number of followers, and he had promised them paradise. So he drugged them with a hashish-based drink and transported them to this magical land of milk and honey and wine and water. And they all hung out there for a while until he drugged them again with the hash drink and used it to bring them back to his castle. And they were all like, what the fuck, dude? Are you taking us out of paradise? And he's like, no, 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 man. Paradise is eternal, so you shouldn't care about your lives. You should go kill all of my enemies. Hmm. And they're like, oh, yeah, cool, cool. And <laughs> <laughs> That makes sense. Uh-huh. So Terra stalked the land for many years. So he got them all high, and then they found themselves in some super cool, amazing place. And then when they weren't high anymore, they were back in the real world. But no, they totally were, you know, physically transported to some super amazing, awesome realm. Right. And I'm sure that wasn't just a side effect of the enormous amounts of hash that they'd all smoked <laughs> like a minute before. Uh-huh. Well, it actually said he, he gave them the hash again to bring him back to his castle. Oh, sure. I so. mean, like, that's just a... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Terror stalked the land for a while until one day Hulagu came and he sieged Aladdin's lair for three years. Then everything was cool again. Now honest hands reap harvests of life from the soil where death and evil reigned. And those who journey through the veil are heard to say, "'Tis truly paradise today." And everybody clapped for Ping Cho. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, it was a pretty good story. She, she's got some storytelling chops. <laughs> this was actually one moment that I really wished that this episode was not missing, that I could have seen the original video and actually watched her storytelling, because I suspect that there were moments throughout when she's doing like physical actions to accompany the story and stuff like that or you know like showing off props or something mm -hmm. but that's lost to time now uh i mentioned i have watched the loose cannon reconstruction years ago and as far as i remember the telesnaps that i recall seeing of this scene are all pretty dark and hard to see and, you know, obviously they're also static images. Mm -hmm. And in the CGI version that I watched, the the CGI Ping Cho, which I have to say didn't actually look anything at all like the actress who played Ping Cho, most of the CGI models didn't look at all like the actual characters, but whatever. Anyway, in the CGI version, the Ping Cho just like stands there in front of a wall telling her story and like doesn't move around or do anything yeah um i wonder if they just took some like free cg assets or something probably yeah or for most of the supporting characters yeah i would suspect something like that but yeah so yeah obviously all of the physical acting in this whole sequence is just completely gone and 
even more so watching the CGI than if I had watched the loose canon telesnap reconstructions again. Yeah. But, yeah, in any case, pour one out for Marco Polo missing episodes. Hi, I hope you're enjoying the episode. If you like our podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you'd like to ask us a question, share your thoughts, or make fun of us, you can email us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or tweet us at Dr. Watcher. Thanks for listening, and now back to the episode. We cut to the inside of the Cave of 500 Eyes, where Tagana is actually meeting up with an old man who takes him through some secret passageways. Because, you know, you can't have a cool cave without secret passageways. Yes, sure. And is is this old man, is he uh, a shady dude? He seems pretty shady. Okay. I mean, I, I would assume if he's taking the warlord Tagana through some secret passageways, he'd be at least somewhat shady. Yeah. It turns out the old man is just the guide, though, and he <laughs> leads Tagana to this other guy named Akamat, who also seems very shady. And Akamat tells Tagana that Kan no Gai has formed his armies and started marching. Hmm, I Remember? thought he wanted peace. Right. Suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> Tigana says that he won't fail, no guy. And Akamat is like, You failed at Loft. You were to meet our courier on the third night in the desert. And Tigana's like, Dude, there was a sandstorm. Mm-hmm. And Akamat's assistant is like, Oh, by the way, the courier said you had a gift? And Tigana's like, Oh yeah, like that flying caravan that belongs to our old magician. You've just got to attack us on our way to Shang Tu and take it. I have a gift for you. You have to get it yourself. <laughs> Look what a good good gift I got you. Uh-huh. Akamat's like, should we just like kill Marco Polo and everyone? And Takana's like, cool, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> Meanwhile, Barbara has actually been poking around in the cave five hundred eyes herself trying to figure out what happened to Tagana. I think she kind of, like, followed him there from a distance, and then, you know, when he went off into the secret passageways, passageways, she basically, you know, didn't see what happened to him, and now he's disappeared, essentially. Mm -hmm. So she's looking around the cave, and she finds what seems to her to be a dead end, And when she turns back around to head out of the cave, she is captured by a Mongol. Mm. It's been a while since we've been captured. Yep. Although I guess we're kind of, you know, just being at Marco Polo's mercy. They're a little bit prisoners already. That's true. Use their TARDIS. Because, yeah, I remember saying in a previous episode, man, our heroes sure seem to get captured a lot. And (laughs) here we go again. Uh Uh-huh. And yeah, this whole time, like, Marco is treating them well, but they are essentially his prisoners, and he's, like, flat out told them that he's 
he's stealing the TARDIS from them. Yeah. We cut to a bit later when all of our heroes have realized that Barbara is gone and they start making plans to split up and search the city for her. Of course, the best way to to handle this is by splitting the party. No, he never split the party. <laughs> of course, Tagana is one of the searchers because Marco still trusts him. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I'm sure it'll go well. <laughs> Back in the city... It's nighttime now, and the Doctor and Susan are going to break back into the TARDIS. Susan has brought Ping Cho along with her, and the Doctor kind of questions this, and Susan's like, Don't worry about Ping Cho. You can trust her. And the Doctor's like, Yeah, it's so I must, doesn't it? If only she were as reliable as that nice young man to Ghana. (laughs) But it turns out that Susan and Ping Cho have a theory about what happened to Barbara. Marco Polo had told them about the Cave of 500 Eyes, so Susan and Ping Cho think that maybe Barbara went to check it out on her own under the assumption... it sounded so cool. What was that? Just because it sounded so cool. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And, you know, she was assuming that... Marco would say no if she asked, so she's just going. Doctor's like, so do you know where this cave is? And Ping Cho's like, no, but Chen Chu over there would. As it turns out, there's been some dude spying on them this whole time. She's <laughs> <Chen Chu's> like, <laughs> Chen Chu. <Stop> it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, good thing they hadn't actually broken into the TARDIS with their real key yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the doctor gets Chen Chu to tell him the way to the Cave of 500 Eyes, and he proceeds to completely ignore Chen Chu's pleas to not go there at night because it's totally haunted by the spirits of the Hashashin, and... You will not go back alive! Hmm, sounds cool. Uh-huh. Susan wants to come along. And Ping Cho is like, no, Marco told us to stay put. And at first, the doctor tells them to stay there. But Susan really doesn't have to try hard at all in order to talk him into letting them come with him. And Ping Cho, of course, just goes along with whatever Susan says. In the cave, Susan is like, look at those eyes. And Ping Cho is like, prefer not to, Susan. Which I thought was pretty yeah. funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, Ping Cho, well, like... Whether you look at them or not, they're looking at you. <laughs> Ping Cho really doesn't want to be there, but, like, she's trying her best to look cool in front of Susan. Yeah, they're friends. Yeah. The doctor comments on the cool quartz carvings, and... Since I was watching the CGI reconstruction, it was hard for me to tell quite what he meant. But I'm pretty sure what was happening that is that there were various like figures and faces and stuff carved into the quartz, and they were carved in such a way that like their eyes were colored by the mineral or something. Cool. Yeah, 
I'm not entirely sure, but whatever it was, the doctor thought it was super cool. That's the important part, that the doctor likes it. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in the city, Chenchu talks to Tagana, and he's like, dude, sorry, but like the old man forced me to tell him where the cave is. And I mean, he asked really nicely. <laughs> How could I say no? It would be so impolite. Tagana is like, and punches him. <laughs> he didn't ask nicely. He's the doctor. Don't lie to me. <laughs> Back in the cave, the doctor is like, no, nah, Barbara's totally not here. You guys are just distracting me while I've got important work to do. But then Pingcho finds Barbara's handkerchief on the ground. And so she and Susan start calling Barbara's name. Mm-hmm. Barbara actually hears them calling from the secret cave room that she's being held hostage in. But, of course, there's nothing she can do in response. Back out in the main cave, Susan starts to scream because she says that she saw some statue eyes start to move. <laughs> uh, that, that good old... Uh haunted slash secret passage trope uh-huh very yeah. scooby-doo style <laughs> can't go wrong with that and as susan screams about these eyes the titles next episode the wall of lies appears on the screen Another good one. <laughs> yeah, they're really hitting that out of the park with the episode titles. Yeah. <laughs> Man, Cave of 500 Eyes and the Wall of Lies. Mm, that's, that's the good stuff right there. I will mention real quick that I did not do very much research into this online, but from what I saw, I think... It is actually unclear whether the official ep- the official title of this episode is 500 Eyes or The Cave of 500 Eyes. Oh, yeah, man. The Cave of 500 Eyes is so much better than yeah, 500 Eyes. I definitely go with The Cave of myself. Not only does it just sound cooler and, you know, it gives a much a clearer image of what to expect in the episode. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, I, I have to say, I like that we're calling back to the cave of, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, the cave of skulls wasn't necessarily a great episode, but it was a great episode title. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like the, um, sometimes it's nice to have a short title. that just gets right to the point. But if you add the cave of to, just about anything it makes it sound that much cooler (laughs) caves are cool Uh uh-huh i mean you know they're almost as good as dungeons and then you just gotta add some dragons there you go right or you know some assassins or ghost assassins or whatever we got going on i know that the uh you know a lot of times the the 
Hashashins or whatever, um, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, are, are known as assassins. And you know, the origin of the word is supposed to be tied to uh, hashish and all that. Did they get into that at all in this episode? Uh, they did, actually. That was another very brief Doctor Who's an educational show moment that I think I just skipped over. But yeah, there actually is some dialogue where I forget who, probably Ian, specifically points out to Susan that the word assassin is derived from the hashashin. Okay. So yeah, that was that was cool, I thought. So remember, don't smoke hash or you'll start assassinating people. <laughs> can we can we shorten assassin in the same way that hashash hashish or hashashin gets shortened to hash like don't smoke hash or you'll become an ass (laughs) yes yes we can cool um so so what what was the um experience of watching it with the cgi reconstruction like Yeah, yeah. Circling back around to the CGI reconstruction, um, I have to say I'm not 100% sold on it. Okay. It was, you know, I will will caveat this by stating for the record that I believe that some Doctor Who fans put a lot of love into this project of making these CGI reconstructions. Sure. And I think they did a good job for, you know, being amateur CGI reconstructions of Doctor Who episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, I do think that there's there was something missing. And, you know, with the loose canon, like, obviously we're not getting the video, but we we do get imagery from the actual episode itself from these telesnaps and Mm -hmm. although in a lot of cases the telesnaps can be kind of dark and hard to see and you know we don't get motion and whatnot the cgi gives us motion Mm -hmm. as you're watching the cgi and you're watching any motion that's happening you know in the back of your head that like it's just animated you know based on what somebody is guessing at essentially Mm -hmm. and you know, doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what actually was depicted on screen back in 1964. Yeah, I wonder how much they would have used the telesnaps to uh, kind of block out the CGI. That's a good question. I don't know if they did that or not, but that's certainly something that I think would be a good idea to do if one were to make CGI reconstructions. So, yeah, I mean, overall, I, yeah, I wasn't entirely sold. I am, I actually haven't watched and taken notes on our next episode yet, The Wall of Lies, and I'm not 100% decided yet if I'm going to go back to the loose canon for like the rest of the serial, or if I should give the CGI another chance with a, one more episode or what, so... Mm-hmm. So are you going to definitely do the audiobook? Yeah, I think for the whole serial, my first experience of the episode will be the official audiobook. And then my second 
I, you know, normally I would say my second watch, but, uh, (laughs) yeah, my second experience will be either the loose cannon reconstruction or the CGI, or maybe I'll do some more Googling and see if I can find something else to watch. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll be curious sort of, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it then, but what you end up deciding and then why, why you came to that decision. (laughs) Yeah. Cool, yeah. Uh, Our listeners will find that out in two weeks. I have no idea how long it'll be before you find out, Benny. Yeah, I know. You guys are busy. (laughs) Uh, And that's totally understandable. Um, In the meantime, I'll just try to hang tight and maybe speculate a little bit about what we'll see on the uh, Wall of Lies. Sounds good. Cool. All right. Should we wrap it up there? I think so. Okay, well, we'll see you next time, listeners. Bye. Hi, Benny here. The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit23 for the awesome theme song he created for us. You can find his music, including our theme, at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. And you can reach him at circuit.23, that's circuit.23, at gmail.com. Thanks to Kyle for talking to me about Doctor Who, and thanks to all of you for listening to me listening to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at drwatcher. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you review your podcasts. Join us next time on The Doctor's Watcher. she could have done. What kind of country do you come from where a woman can wander alone through the streets at night? (laughs) 